Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Welcome to Breaking the Silence. I'm Greg Williams. Welcome to my home here live in the most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas. And this is going to be one of those shows. It's the money back guarantee that you're going to learn something. You're going to get motivated. You're going to be educated. You're going to be, well, it doesn't cost you anything anyway. But anyway, if there was, it'd be a money back guarantee. But this is going to be a great program tonight. I have one of my uh, few friends that I have in life. Uh, but one of my true friends is going to be here tonight, and it's going to be just an absolute awesome, awesome program. So it's a good time to text somebody and say, "Hey, get on the, get online, get on one of the platforms, and and find out uh, what's going on and who the guest is." It's going to be really awesome. If you want to get involved in the conversation, eight eight eight. 627-6008, and nothing would make me happier if you decide to call in and the beautiful people of BBS radio station will answer with their radio voice, and they will pack you right on through to me and our guests this evening. Or you can do it another way by getting on Shattered by the Darkness Facebook. I'm looking at that right now, and I believe we are live if this comes up, and we are. And my son Curtis is running that. Uh, from the wonderful city of Seattle, Washington, as he's in the United States Army up there, but he takes care of all that stuff because in reality, uh, I don't even know how to turn a computer on, let alone run any of the technical work uh, in the background. So I'm glad I have BBS radio on one side of my other son uh, on the other. So it's just wonderful. Uh, you know, uh, as the football games are playing tonight, and I guess the Eagles have already won their game and pretty well trounced uh, their opponents, uh, we have a tie score, I believe, with Kansas City and uh, the Bengals. Uh, I don't know if it's still tied or not, but it was 13-13. You know, those things are going to happen, and those are you can always tape that. But when we're talking about spending quality time in just this next 50-some minutes of being able to use something, change your life, apply it to somebody else, or even to refocus your life, I personally have said since the very beginning of this program, about three years we're into this, um, I said, if you'll invest a little bit of time with us each Sunday night, I promise you that you will take something with you that you can probably use that night or for sure the following week to refine your life, because that's what it's all about. We all have our own baggage. We all have our own issues. And uh, let's face it, we all have our own mental health problems. Each of us do in our own uh, unique way. And I really want 
you to before we bring our guest on, I always like to just share thoughts that I've had uh, maybe during the week, but more than likely it's thoughts that I've had just for the day. And and I, I think um, in life that when you start making choices, making decisions, wouldn't it always be better to lean in to those things that your future self down the road will go, hey, I'm glad you chose to do that. And I just want to throw out a few of those with you. You know, it seems like the most exhausting activity is pretending to be who you're not. Mm-hmm. And there's people that uh, will give you their opinions and they always tell you who you need to be. And others sometimes don't choose the best path for you. You need to choose you, even if nobody else does. And I think it's important that you look at the value in you. You are created with the right wiring to do something special that only you can do on this world better than anybody else can. And I think that's important. First of all, just choose you this coming week. Somebody says, hey, you need to do this, change your mind on that, do this for me. Say, whoa, 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 I've got my own path. Thank you, but I'm going to choose what I think I need to be called to do. Second thing I want you to do is appreciate what you have. Sometimes when you make the most out of what you have, it turns out to be a lot more than what you ever could imagine in life. When you wake up, thank your creator that you're healthy and that you're alive, and then go attack this day, this week, with a passion of being alive. When we start looking at the negative side of everything, we start having our own personal pity party. That will change your whole outlook on life. Just appreciate, look around, and find something that you are glad that you have in your life. So many times when we start looking negatively on our job, happens all the time. People that I work with, the Baylor College of Medicine, all of a sudden they get that negative tinge, uh, that negative lean in, like, oh, this is terrible. And we're not, I'm not saying we're the best place to work in, in the world, but it's a great place that has a lot of blessings. But when you start looking at the negative in things, it'll start tainting uh, the way you look at life. So just appreciate what you have. Believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. Believe in you. Maybe for the first time in a long time, I'm going to kind of lean into the camera a little bit. Listen to your soul. Listen to your heart. Trust your instincts and acknowledge your own strengths. Sometimes that'll make all the difference in a day. Sometimes it'll make all the difference in a week. And I don't want to surround myself with people that tell me I'm a good man or I'm a great man. I want to surround myself with people that make me and push my limits to be a better man. Not just blow my horn and say, oh, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. great." No, because eventually that gets old. I want somebody that makes me a better person. And find those people, surround yourself with people. And if there's people that 
uh, I don't know a better way to even put this. If there's people around you in your life that urinate in your lemonade, get rid of them because you don't need that. You want people that only put positive things in your life. And speaking of positive, try being positive this week. You can't live a positive life with a negative attitude. Let every day be a dream that you can touch. Let every day be a love that you can feel. Let every day be a reason to live. Life is too short to be anything but positive. And the last one I'm done is take action. Take action. The happiest and the most successful people in life are usually the ones that have broken the chain of procrastination. And they break out of the mold of mediocrity to find satisfaction in doing the job that they have been handed and doing it to the best of their ability. If you want to gain success fast overnight, congratulations, that's not going to happen. The best way to achieve success in your life is a step at a time. And the first step is action, action, action. And I'll tell you what, one thing you never want to forget is that to be successful in your life always begins with a step of understanding that there's always hope. There's always hope. And hang on to that. And that's what our program is all about. It is an honor tonight from straight, uh, another Houstonian, straight from Houston, Texas, to have a friend of mine, Ken Henry. Ken is the Director of Collaboration and Strategy for probably, in my opinion, one of the best organizations in this country. And it's the Houston United Against Human Trafficking. And it is an unbelievable, unbelievable organization. And we'll talk about what I think about the people in that organization when I bring Ken on. But he is a graduate of McNeese State University, Brooks College of Art and Design, National Human Trafficking Leadership Academy, Texas Victims Academy, and he is a graduate. He's got so many things that I can just keep going on and on and on, but he is also the vice chair for the Compton, California Human Trafficking Task Force and one of the founders of the National Black Faith Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And it is my honor and my privilege to welcome to you and introduce to you Ken Henry. Come on in, Ken. Can you hear me all right? Oh, I hear you, my friend. I hear you. Thank you. To be here. You are the man. How are you? Hey, you are the man too, man. Honored, honored to be here. I, you're one of my favorite human beings, and uh, thank you for those kind sentiments. Uh, you know about the organization and myself. Uh, I love the work you're doing, and I just, you know, for me, like I said, it's a true honor to actually come up here and, and collab with you on this way, because you know I love collaboration, and I know it is detrimental in this fight. Well, I tell you, the, the neat thing about, and I want to encourage the people that are here that want to get involved, to get involved with United uh, Against Human Trafficking, because I have never met a group of people that are more genuine, more passionate, and more positive in my life. There's not one that I have ever met that I went, eh, that one's not so great. It's always like, wow, they, 
every one of them are spectacular human, human beings. How do you get and find these <laughs> awesome people? Look, I, I found them as well. We find each other. I always say, you know, you, you're you're true. I, you talked about a lot of this, actually, uh, in the beginning, you know, in your, of the program, you know, when you are staying your authentic self and you're oh. striving to to just be genuine and just be the best that you can be and living in your purpose and your assignment, you will find, you know, your tribe. And so I think that's what we have there. That's part of our DNA. It's part of our culture. It's something that we are not just part of, but we really seek to protect as well. So, um, yeah, so I just, I thank you. I thank you so much. And we love, you know, working with you as well. And we are, you know, like I said, we're working nationally. Um, we're in Louisiana now. We are doing, you know, work here and there with, you know, Florida and LA and with our pathway, we're going all over. So we, we definitely love to connect. I'm always talking to different folks in different cities and states about different ideas. And sometimes it's just ideas. Sometimes it's just mentorship with, with one another, but definitely. I think when we, can get to the point of where it's not perfect, but it's a pretty perfected uh, agency and organization. And when you can start duplicating that in different areas, or at least help other people go, hey, how do you guys do it so well in Houston? Well, it's because of the people. But hey, do it like this. And when we start doing that, joining hands with people all across the country, exactly. it and makes an impact on a lot of people. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That, that's what it's all about. It really is. And and what you say, duplication, that's why it's so necessary for, you know, and that's for any of the listeners out there. If you are building something to make sure that you have a system um, and, and doing your best to create a solid process that's evidence based, because it will allow you to be able to go not only just help other folks. And in turn, what we do you know, it's all inspired because we want to be our best for the survivors that we're helping, um, any survivors, whether it's labor or sex trafficking. So in order for us to do that, we have to be serious and uh, and honestly, just consistent. Do you see, and I really want to get into uh, the collaboration discussion, but do you see that human trafficking, at least in the Houston area, is it a, tell me how big of an issue it really is and all of our listeners tonight, because I have a feeling that probably, although we talk about a lot, probably 75% of the people listening tonight that are new to our program don't realize what kind of issue this really is in our country, in the world. Yeah. Houston? Well, Houston, um, unfortunately, it is a huge issue here. Um, you know, I know the year before last, when the stats came out, we Houston with reported cases had the largest, um, the most reported cases uh, in the entire United States. Uh, but again, it's not surprising because Houston is one of your what, the fourth largest, almost third largest city now, um, soon to be in the nation. Uh, it is a port city. Um, it is an international city. So um, any cities like that are going to have major issues when it comes to labor and sex trafficking because it's so vast. And I think with Houston, um, I this is, you know, theory I have from all my years of working in Los Angeles, which is another port city and was like number two. Um, and coming here, I believe one of the factors is because Houston is so spread out. And so that's very different. It's really unique because you have most of your large cities are not as spread out as Houston, where, you know, your your Harris County being the largest county incorporates so many different little communities and neighborhoods. It's like cities within cities. Um, uh, so, you know, for a trafficker, you know, it's it's kind of easy for them to hide and, and, and uh, navigate, you know, their system like that. So um, that's why, again, collaboration is very important. 
and being set up in different parts of the 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 geographical location is very very imperative so when you wake up in the morning and i know you're probably going to be on the road and traveling because you're, you're <laughs> the one man. Uh, when you wake up in the morning tell me what it is uh i ask every guest pretty yeah. well this what it is that is inside of you that creates a passion of i want to make sure that I try to get this accomplished to the best of my ability today. What would that be in your world, Ken? Well, in my world, you know, that's just my standard as a as a person because I truly believe like life is very precious, life is very short. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that one thing is you know true is that we're going to leave at some point this world. We don't know how, we don't know when, but we will. And so while and we don't get a do-over. And so for me, it's I want to be very intentional with what I do for a, uh, uh, with, just with my life. But I also want to make sure for me as a believer personally uh, of God, I believe that we're all created with a purpose and we have an assignment here. And so I truly believe that I'm fortunate enough to have found mine, which is, you know, an uplifter of people, um, is an advocate of people, a voice for voiceless. And so that's what inspires me every single day um, to make sure that I'm in tune with myself, to make sure that I'm intentional uh, and honestly that I'm feeling that I never lose feeling. Anyone who talked to me, they understand I'm always talking about that is to never forget. And uh, it's not that I'm a guy I don't enjoy life. I smell the roses along the way. I believe in great relationships. I love having that. I believe in getting poured into, but I don't want anything taking me off of my assignment. So the things you spoke about earlier really resonated with me, you know, about paying attention to who's around you. What are they pouring into your life? Whether that's family, whether that's longtime friends, whether that is acquaintances, coworkers, um, and being, you know, protective of your energy. So for me, getting up every single day, I'm looking at how to protect my energy. And because of what I feel my assignment is, I have to do it. It's 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 not even an option not to protect it because I have to be able to give and pour out for other folks. So, you know, the, the one thing I, I just admire and respect about you, I have never been in your presence or a text from you or an email from you that doesn't lift me up or make me smile. Oh, Sometimes when I get a text from somebody or an email from somebody, I'll go, oh, I got to open this. Oh, no, I wonder what they want now, you know, or what they're <laughs> going to complain. But every time I get something from you or I'm in your presence, it is in 30 seconds. It's like, man, I'm glad I know that guy. Uh, it just makes me so happy. And I think that is contagious. Um, Where does that come from, Ken, in you? Well you know, bro, it's big. I, you know, of course, I feel like I was groomed that way as far as like being my family. You know, um, my family's a very positive family. Um, but we talk a lot about life, we talk about a lot about intention. So, a lot of that's poured into me. And then, because of that, I've chosen to keep that torch going, burning, and and making sure that I learn more and more. But I, I again, I have to say that I, when I look at folks, I understand that we all are living life. And we all are doing the best that we know how. Like, I don't really say the best that we can do because I believe we really don't know until we push ourselves. But I believe that we do the best we know to do. And so you never know what someone else is going through, right? So my goal is to be a refreshment. You know, my family taught me, if you're going to go into any space, your goal is to make that space better when you leave it. So if you're not able if or up to the task to try to make that space better, then you don't go into that space because if you're going to make bring that space down, no one needs that. You know, yeah. everybody's going through their own things. And so I really look at life that way. And I know um, for me, if it's just encouraging you, 
you know, if you're not, if you know, vulnerable enough or trusting enough yet, uh, we haven't built a relationship uh, to share what was going on. Um, I at least want to let you know that you've been seen, you're valued, you're respectful, and I try my best never to do anything that's false with folks. I'm going to give respect because I believe we all deserve that. But I am intentionally looking for things in people, you know, those great qualities. And then those are the things I like to camp out on and really uplift folks. And with you, I mean, that's one of the great things. You've been just such a solid guy. But one thing about you, you always make, since I have encountered you, you all you have ability to make everybody feel seen, heard, and you're present with them. And I love that. And so for me, that's one of the, the, the things I love the most about you is you're very, I, I see that intentionality. And so, um, so I, I, you know, I appreciate it. And so that's for me, that's, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm just looking to encourage and uplift and, um, I'm hoping I could make your day better. If you encountered me, whether it's a grocery store, wherever it is, I'm the guy. Talk to people in the line, uh, you, you know, I, I, on the elevator. That's the guy I am. You know? <laughs> I do too. I, I, some people look at me and roll their eyes and go, "Oh, stop talking, Greg." That, that's all I'm good at. <laughs> hey, that's your. That's one of your powers. Oh, I really enjoy that. I'll talk to a waiter. Uh, yeah. I'll talk to a doorknob. It doesn't matter. You, know, you don't have to answer back. You know, uh, before we get into. Uh, I think the topic that we're going to really hang into a lot about. I've never asked you this. Mm -hmm. uh, why did you get in to this space? Great. Uh, why is this important for you and you have a heart for this area or for people that are hurting in general? Do you have a story? You know what I do, actually? It's uh, interesting. And I always tell folks it chose me. <laughs> I didn't choose it. And it literally did. So, um, all I know is since a kid, I've always been a protector. I don't yeah. know, you know, I really believe that's who I, you know, I was, God just created me that way. Um, I've always been the guy, I stepped up with, against bullies. If I didn't know, you know, sometimes I was in trouble because I am the one end up in the fight now. And, you know, sometimes the person is bigger than me, but I just couldn't stand someone being bullied. Um, and then as we kept, you know, going in life, you know, my personal story, pretty much my brother and I, we could have been foster kids, really, because our grandparents really were the ones that that ended up, my uh, mom's mom and stepdad are the ones who really end up rearing us uh, full time. You know, now my dad and mom was in and out, you know, they were my dad's educator, he had remarried and things like that. And my mom was, you know, in and out as well. But when I grew up and understood what that world looked like, I was like, wow, that was basically us in a way. But our family was so big and extended family, you we didn't realize that because we're always with family. Um, and so I had a heart to, even though I had these other talents of marketing and uh, music and fashion and all this stuff, I, for some, nothing made me feel greater and, and more, um, like I had purpose and like I mattered than helping some, like other folks, especially those who I feel like I love a good story from struggle to triumph. And so as I remember getting a haircut one day and I see in a bad neighborhood and it was I think it was a cousin's uh, friend of mine. Uh, I was nine year olds. I never, I never forget. I was a nine year old boy. And I look over and they stayed across the street. There was like a um, I had, they had a different name, but it was basically a drug house. Right. And this guy pulls up in the car and I hear him say, oh, oh. And I look as a kid, not understanding what that means, because everyone else is adults around me. And, you know, he goes, he's he, one of the cut one of the guys said, oh, that's her husband. So apparently this married guy had a wife who was addicted to uh, some form of drug and she would go there and he's trying to, you know, make the family work and, you know, things that he wouldn't drug her out of the house. So although I'm kind of trying to make sense of all this, the way he was dragging her out of the house, I was so angry and I was like, hey, 
we need to do something. And I'm telling my cousin, you guys are, let's go do something. And everybody was telling me, Hey, you don't get involved in that kind of stuff. And so I, um, I didn't understand what vicarious trauma was at that time, but I would have thoughts and dreams about that. And it would bother me so much. And then as I kept going through life, um, there was other instances where these things happened. And, you know, even in college where I got in, in, involved or in the middle of something, and uh, because I just can't take it, I'm not, I can't be a stand a standby to allow someone to be oppressed um, or anything like that, you know, being demeaned. And then fast forward, I now am in California and I'm doing uh, the fashion and I'm, I'm going to school at the arts college and I graduate. I'm making this great money as a young professional. I'm single and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm at fashion shows with celebrities and doing all this stuff like people I'm looking at on TV and I'm here and I'm thinking I'm living a great life. But then all of a sudden, I'm not happy. And, I'm, and I have I looked at my life and I'm like, well, I'm in church. I have a great community there. I have great friends there. I am doing exactly what I wanted to do. I'm making good money. What is going on? So I started feeling like, why am I ungrateful? All of a sudden, have, have I become this person? And I remember just praying a lot, praying a lot, praying a lot. And I've only, I talked to one person about it uh, at my church. And then one day, God just told me, you know, it's because you're not doing your calling. Your calling is people. And I didn't know what that meant. And I'm like, well, why did I spend all this money, travel, do all this stuff? And I end up moving into the foster industry. And uh, when I tell you, it was a major pay cut, a complete, <laughs> I was a humble, yeah, completely different life. And uh, but when I tell you, I fell in love with what I was doing. And that was in Southern California. And I knew it at that moment. This is where I belong. I can still dibble and dabble in some of these other things, but this has got to be it. This is what I'm created for. And I saw the power. I saw the way that I was uh, coming into those spaces and really making it better just by gifts, you know, and I continue to get training and things of that nature. Um, and so as I move forward, fast forward, I'm working in that space. And then someone gives me a book called Hagar. Hagar was a book about a, a human trafficking in Thailand. And uh, it was about the woman named Hagar. And I remember reading that whole book and I just, that was it. I didn't sleep for three days and I thought, okay, God wanted me to go to Thailand and do this work because I thought that's where it was happening. So I called a number in the back of the book, kid you not. And turns out it was the person who uh, was given the task to go to Thailand and she was a fashion designer to train the lady and other women once they get out how to make money and make these things so they can, um, you know, have economic empowerment to not have to go back into that life because they would be shamed afterward. So I'm talking to this lady. I'm like, look, can we connect? Turns out she was in California, in Southern California. And then right around that time, I found out, well, wait a minute. No, there's an organization right here that deals with that. We have a problem domestically. Could not believe that. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't visualize. So I called that organization to figure out if I could meet with someone, talk to them. And long story short, I did, but I couldn't get hired because I had no experience in that field and they were still learning. And I think that was like 2000 and maybe nine or 10. And so, um, yeah, so I continued to do what I was doing. I started working with families in the county, you know, uh, with at-risk families. And then I did find an organization in Los Angeles and I went for it. Started working there, um, doing case management, leading that team, and then just continue to grow. From there, four months there, I ended up in the National Human Tra Trafficking Leadership Academy, and it just it went from there. Here wow. I am. You know, I, I it always reminds me when, when I hear you say what you just went through. There's two very important days in a person's life. One is the day you're born, and the second one is the day you know why. 
Yes. When you realize why you're born, that's when you fall into that passion and like what you have. Absolutely. uh, Tell you what, we're going to take our first break. On the other side of this next break, I want to get into collaboration and what that word even means and why is it so important and how to have not just collaboration, but effective collaboration. So if you want to get involved, 888-627-6008, give us a call or get right on there, uh, Shattered by the Darkness, and we're getting some comments here, but uh, feel free to ask a question through that source if you want to. We will be right back after our only commercial break. Don't leave us. Hang with us. We're back. HCI Publishing, that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years, and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back. We have a wonderful guest tonight, Ken Henry. He's a director of collaboration and strategy of United Against Human Trafficking here in Houston. I don't even know what that title means. Um, but Ken, I, I'm not a very smart guy. I have a, a couple pieces of paper hanging on my wall from degrees, but sometimes you don't learn anything in there. And what has life taught you and what has this work taught you? Uh that makes collaboration one of your main issues that you really, really, really uh, believe in. What is it all about? Well, that's a very, very profound question and good question because collaboration, honestly, you can't do life without it. And this is what I, I you know, have come to realize and as I teach people, because it's something I'm very passionate about, um, again, because I grew up in a very community, um, you know, environment, you know, very uh, tribal village approach. And so, you do. You can't get through life without collaboration. I mean, even a family unit, if you're a husband, wife, or you're a single person with children, you have to collaborate with that family unit. And then there's going to be others outside of it, whether it's the school teachers, right, that you have children involved in that, whether it's medical professionals that, you know, you're taking care of your health or the health of a family member. Um, anything that we do in light requires collaboration, some type of collaboration. And the more uh, you respect it and honor that, the better those relationships are and be- the better the outcome of whatever that is that you're trying to do. So for me, that's what I've seen, especially working in the spaces that I've worked in. And, you know, we can take, for instance, just human services. Everything that we've done has dealt with therapists, dealt with law enforcement, dealt with social workers, um, schools, um, medical professionals. Um, I mean, you name it, everywhere you look, you have to collaborate with folks and everyone has an expertise that's very valuable to either the health or the success of a person 
or, you know, situation. So um, I'm very passionate about it and I understand how to effectively do it. And it's, it's really, really, relationships are very important. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's life. Collaboration is life. Let's drill down a little bit deeper there. Effective. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody communicates one way or the other, body language and all this other stuff we learn about communication. But in collaboration, what makes a difference from just collaborating with somebody, but to make it effective collaboration? What's the couple keys? Because I know you've trained people all over the country on this. Absolutely. What's the, the couple of the keys of making it effective, making it powerful? Mm -hmm. Well, the first to, to, to do that, we, you know, one has to really understand what does collaboration even mean, right? And it really is. It, all it is is you have to have one or more persons or entities that are coming together, you know, to, for the success of some mission. Right. So it can't be done solo. It has to be done with some other folks. Right. When we take it, let's say, look in human trafficking. Why is it so important? It's because the problem is so big. Number one. And that's what I would say. There's three things when it comes down to issues like this. The problem is so big. There's not enough, unfortunately, services to take care of all of the needs that are out there. The second thing is expertise and specialties. You know, you need people that has expertise in different, depending on what your your mission is and what solution you're trying to uh, provide here, you're going to need folks that, that has the correct resources that has an expertise or a specialty. And the third thing is you have to really understand, and this is where I say the big, 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 big factor when it comes down to effective, you have to have and respect a collaboratively. You have to have a collaborative mind, right? And in order to have that, I have to have humility. So I have to honor other folks and I have to understand that they're going to know some things and do some things better that I need to do this and vice versa. They're going to have to honor me and respect me for what I've been doing. Right. We all have given our time to different things that we've been studying, working in, having those experience. You become an expert and you have a specialty in those areas. So it's identifying those things. So um, I have identified some areas. If you allow me, um, the first one is, you know, I, when you, you have to identify a need. I think that's a pretty easy thing to do. We all have a need. I need to eat. I need a roof over my head, right? In order to have that, I have to have some income coming in, things of that nature. When human trafficking, it depends on if you are, for instance, like us, we currently don't provide any housing, but we have case management services. We're doing, you know, financial literacy. We're doing, um, you know, uh, life skills, things of that nature. We also are doing prevention work, you know, with youth and all this and family uh, prevention work. So we have a lot of those things. But when we have a survivor come to us that needs a place to live, we have to figure out who has the resource of housing. Right. So that's the second thing is identify who can fulfill that need. So when you identify who can fulfill that need, the third thing is you want to now identify um, all collaborators. How can I mutually benefit? How can we all mutually benefit? So I, it's not enough for me to just go with needs and become the guy. Oh, I need something. Dr. Greg, can you help me with this? Oh, uh, you, you have to understand if I'm going to come to you and I understand you have a need that is your housing, I need to keep you as a partner because I know the goal is we're going to get more folks. So we're going to need your resource. So I need to build a great relationship with you. I need to come in there, understand, making sure you have your standards of care, your trauma-informed, survive-informed. And if you're lacking anywhere, my goal is not to just throw the door on you. My goal is to help you get there because you have that resource we need. I think that's a huge problem, you know, we'll see is that if something doesn't, you know, measure up to what we think, and with this resource, we're ready to close the door on them. 
but we, you can't, we need it. And especially something like housing. I say that because it's so scarce. Unfortunately, there's just not enough uh, in the United States with the needs that we have. Now, do I understand that? No. Does it make sense to me? No, because I we look at all these, how are we giving money? We just have football games on today with people making millions of dollars, you know, and nothing, of course, my team lost today, 49ers, so I'm in morning, but <laughs> you have, you're making millions of dollars. You have people that are constantly turning apart. I mean, real estate game is so big in this country. I just don't see the, the, the reason why we should be lacking houses for something so important for people to come in there, receive treatment and turn their lives around. But we do. So because of that, we need to make sure that we're finding the folks that have taken on that call and feel like they have an expertise in the housing and then work together to build something solid. So, But I have to respect what they have. They respect me. And then we go to the next step, which is now once we've identified the issue, we've identified who can fulfill it, and we've identified who, how we can all mutually benefit. The next thing is we want to go and now create a proposal meeting. This is the meeting where we sit down and say, like the business transaction in a way, you know, uh, some people are doing MOUs, um, you know, but coming together and saying, hey, let's commit, let's make this commitment, let's put this down. Let's really, really figure out what role are you going to play, what role I'm going to play, do we want to do this, and yes, we make an agreement. We, I love to put things in writing because what it does, it's like a mission statement in that partnership. It helps you always go back to it if we're kind of getting off or we're forgetting that I was supposed to handle a task or something. It helps us stay on track. And then the other thing, the uh, fifth step is strategic planning. So now you want to make sure you once we've uh, agreed to do this, now we sit down and figure out a strategy. And that will also, when you're creating that strategy, is going to allow you to figure out do I have all the right people here or are there missing pieces of the puzzle? So now we're identifying together with the ones that are at the table and we realize, whoa, we actually need someone else here. We are missing this. So we have to go out and seek those folks. And it's the same routine, you know, seeing how we can mutually benefit them, getting them to come and sit down to figure and honor them and getting them to you know, agree to come in partnership with us or in collaborative uh, collaborative relationship. So once we do that, we create that strategic plan. Now you must solidify the roles. So another thing people don't do, they'll say, okay, we can do this and we'll take care of that. But no one has committed and it takes commitment. It takes meeting together. You know, one of the things that we're doing, um, you know, with Hatcher here in Houston, which is the, um, it's the, uh, the, the law enforcement uh, human trafficking division. And Hatcher is the human trafficking rescue Alliance. And they do a summit with us every year. It'll be coming up this year on the May 25th, actually um, here in Houston at United Way. But what we've been doing since last year we meet every single month with law enforcement and us, and we strategically plan on what this is going to look like. So that's a perfect example. And we have all the folks there and the folks that we're going to have come and speak. We've thought all this stuff. We've strategized. So you have to have to have that. And you solidify that role. And now you give tasks to folks. So everyone has their task and you're following up with each other. That's why those consistent meetings are important. You don't want to start something and then, oh, we'll wait to our meeting. And then wait, what happened? I thought Dr. Greg was going to handle that. No, you agreed to do that. No, we know every step of the way because we're committed to this process. Right. And so that's a very, very important. And then the other thing is execute the strategy now. So once you have that, you must execute. Now it's time to go to work. We've met, we've agreed, we've identified the need. We know we have all the folks here who can fulfill those things. We've created a strong strategy where we have gotten everyone set up for success. They know what they're doing. We execute. And then the last thing is document. 
document once you have done this and you create success. Another thing that a lot of folks don't do is document because now you're having a blueprint to where if you need to do something like this again or you need to help someone else, you have a blueprint for them to follow. So because we've done that, for instance, with our coalition, we're able to take coalitions outside of Houston and go into like where we're at in Louisiana and different places because we have an evidence based plan that works. And all those steps that I just said, that we've had to do that. And so um, so that's effective collaboration. Right. So you can collaborate, but you to be effective, you have to have a collaborative mind, honor each other and really get the right folks and committed to the process, create that strategy, work and document. Do you believe that that's because of the problem, the, the the huge problem of human trafficking? A lot of people look at something that large and go, it's too big of a problem. We can't we're not we can't take care of that. And the only way to do it is to get everybody involved in all these different entities and say, hey, wait, we can. If we all yeah. get together, we can start joining hands and forces and we can surround the city with law enforcement, medical people, counselors, and all the people that, you know, even people like me that don't know what to do, uh, I can get involved. Um, and then it becomes a power in numbers. So we can. There's, is there any issue that's too big that if you don't have the right partnerships, that it can't be tackled? Right. That's that's the key. So, yeah, if you don't have the right partnerships, you're going to be you're, you're already defeated. It's all about the right partnerships and coming together and committing. I mean, it because it, it, it is a huge problem, like I said, and human trafficking is just one example of that. But there are so many things. When we think about homeless. Look at how look at the, we are first world country and look at how huge, unfortunately, our homeless. When you look at big cities, you look at the San Francisco, you look at Los Angeles, you look at all these major cities and you see how massive of a problem that hum, homelessness is. And I really believe it's because we have not really understood true, true collaboration, because in order to do that, there's so many folks that are homeless come in so many different forms. It's such a diverse community. There's mental illness. There are the folks that choose to be there right now for some reason. Um, there's foster care. There's so many factors. So having people that are experts in all those different in entities coming together, that's going to be so imperative and effective. And I believe if we do that, and I mean, there are some great examples of this happening, but I feel like also with money that's being, you know, uh, sent out, uh, to, to address some of these issues, you know, who who's determining how much money and where's that money going to be allocated? You must have the right folks at the table if you're going to do those right. kind of items, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, so I definitely believe, you know, it's if you don't, we have a lot of issues. I mean, but if you go small, I think, again, that's and that's my conviction. If you go small, even the family unit we were talking about. If you are trying to be solo, this, you know, this this solo hero, and I'm trying to be Ken Henry, the dad, and I don't want help from anyone. I don't need help from any spiritual men trying to help me how to be, you know, a spiritual man or any other men to try to help me be a great dad, a great husband. I got this, you know, as I have seen, <laughs> there are going to be times you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You need folks like you spoke about earlier, speaking life into you and really sharpening you. You know, um, and we have to be there for other folks. And so I think collaboration is just it's it's imperative in every aspect of our lives, whether we want it, whether we like people or not. Some people I don't like people. I'm not a people person. You need people. Absolutely. And the folks yeah. that don't, unfortunately, are the ones that go into depression and things like that. So, yeah. One thing that I that I enjoy so much, I, I get the privilege of being on the steering committee and chairing that committee with United Against Human Trafficking. And I, I will be on that as long as y'all let me. I, I, but I'm amazed every time we have a meeting, 
the different entities that are represented in that meeting. It's like, oh, my lands, they do this. Wow, they do this. And he goes from, from a sister uh, in the religious world to someone that runs a coffee house to someone that works at Texas Children's Hospital to right on around. It's like there's so many different personalities. That's exactly what you're talking about, this collaboration of getting as many different entities involved and then saying, what can we do? That's it's right. awesome. That's right, brother. And we are honored to have you on it because you understand that you exude that anyway. That's how you you were walking before you came to us. So, I mean, this is so you are pr a perfect person, you know, to be uh, on that coalition, to be leading that steering committee. And, and you know, again, that we're happy. So we'll keep you as long as you will stay. <laughs> well, I'm glad of that. Tell me about uh, victims and standards of care for victims. How how important is that? And and when they do poor jobs, does it not add more to the pain? So why is standard the you know the quality standard of care? Uh, tell me a little bit about that with the victims, survivors. Thank you. Uh, thanks for asking about that too. I mean, you know, simply put, you will re-victimize victims again if you yeah. are not understanding the importance of how to take care of them how to, um, you know, really have standards of care in place, making sure that um, you're dotting all your I's, crossing all your T's with this. Um, I can't stress how imperative that is. And there's so many resources out there, speaking of collaboration, of people that are doing this. I mean, since the movement, I know in the National Human Trafficking Leadership Academy, that was a, a pr another prime example. It was 12 of us in that court. And what they did was it was male survivors of human uh, sex and labor trafficking, female survivors of sex and labor trafficking, there was law enforcement, uh, there was service providers like myself, um, there was immigration folks. So we tried to get, take people from all these different and, and, um, backgrounds and expertise and come together and say, hey, what's needed in all these different areas? And when we got to the point about the standards of care, it was so interesting because, you know, you even like, for instance, when, you know, you anything that would trigger someone like just even a term or name. And um, as you know, now for being involved with us, you know, even um, survivors like men didn't the men on that court did not want to be called um, survivors. And for me, I had never. But again, I had never heard anything like that before. And the women were loving that at the time. They were wearing it as a badge of honor. And the men felt defeated. And when they shared I'll, it blew my mind. And so they wanted the word thriver, you know, um, and now you've heard, now we've uh, progressed from that. We're hearing overcomer. We're hearing like lived experience. So all these things matter when it comes down to effectively caring, because if someone doesn't, you know, you can hurt them and set them back just by how you address them, right? Um, identity is very, very important to people. But, you know, um, you have different principles that we have through evidence-based come up with. And uh, I'll read a couple of those off, like safety, of course, is always number one, um, that it's very, very important. And so you have to be mindful if you're going to serve, you know, lived experienced persons of trafficking, you need to even consider where your facilities are going to be at, right? Because even if your facility is in a place that reminds them of a high trafficking area or where it may be going on, that already is going to re-traumatize a person right there. Um, and then even from when they walk inside of a room, you know, that's what folks don't understand. Like there's scents that can, uh, a certain scent that can trigger someone, yeah. um, you know, being visible, making sure you can see them when they come in, you know, if they don't have to walk and look for you and walk through rooms, like very detailed that. And then that goes into the trustworthiness and the transparency. 
Um, you, you know, we need to mean what we say and say what we mean. Uh, we need to be very transparent about why we're doing things. We need to be pulling survivors in and asking them as we're considering to do pro- programming and, um, you know, anything that's to serve them, get their input because we're not the experts when it comes down to someone who's been trafficked. They are the experts of that. We're the experts as far as the professionals and creating programs and and those standards of cares and policies and things of that nature. But we must collab together to make sure we're doing it right and effectively. And then the peer support is going to be huge, you know, making sure, you know, that if you don't provide those services, that someone in your network, you can make sure that they're set up and making sure they're having peer support along the way. Um, And then that, again, like we go back to the collaboration um, and mutuality, you know, we are partnering, we're walking alongside of them. And that's, I think, another thing, you're not fixing anybody, you're not controlling anyone, you're walking alongside of them, you're serving and you're assisting. And, um, and to do that, we're honoring them, we have to have a spirit of vulnerability, which is very important. And then that empowerment piece, because doing that gives them empowerment, it gives them a voice. So many victims um, had not had a voice before that voice was taken from them. So our goal to do all these things is to walk alongside of them so that we are making sure they have a voice and their voice is heard um, and teaching them. Yeah. Some have never exercised that, you know, and had a choice. And we're teaching them how that you have a choice and how to exercise it. You know, and last thing, I think the last part is the the cultural and historical part of that, because that's also very, very important um, that we understand their cultures within cultures. And we have to honor that as well. Um, if you're going to go into a certain community, if I'm a black man, I'm going to go into a white community. Um, I need to understand that there's cultures that are different within cultures in the white community, but I need to understand what are those cultures as I go in there, right? Am I the best fit to go in there? Um, do we have someone else? What, what do we need to learn? If I'm going to the Hispanic population, I need to understand, you know, culturally their cultures within it, you know? Um, and, and so so it's it's a lot, but what I tell you, it is so beautiful because you're partnering with these lived experience per- persons and uh and it's a beautiful partnership but stra- the standards of care are very very imperative yeah and i, I like the the phrase you said early on in, in that response was say what you mean and mean what you say it's so important because people and i would imagine you deal with this and i would i would think that you guys have a very effective program of dealing with this people want to say they want to be involved you trust them and then when somebody on the street calls them and they let them down or they don't respond uh, or they never return the call or never help with the need, you're re-traumatizing people. And these people that have been trafficked are going, okay, just one more person that screwed me over. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, it, it mars the entire uh, efforts of what real, honest, transparent people are trying to do to help. Absolutely. Important. Yeah. Definitely. What's the one area? As we wind, you know, we land this plane tonight. What's the one area that you think probably needs the most help on this uh, standards of care? Mm-hmm. Uh, being really, really, they need to polish it a little bit without slamming them. But where is the weak link in the chain? I honestly would say, you know, what I'm seeing and finding, and um, you know, even talking to folks nationally, is honestly that last piece that I talked about, that historical. Uh, and cultural competency piece. That is very, very, because, you know, you have gender uh, issues inside of that as well. And our world is continually to evolve and change. Um, You know, like before we weren't even hearing pronouns and folks wanting to use that, and now we are. So I think it's 
It's not because of a lack of wanting to. It's, I think it's just understanding. But I think everyone has to be very open about um, it's just honoring, you yeah. know, and, and not going so deep to I don't have to change who I am to honor someone else. You see, I don't have to change my belief system to honor someone else. But if I am going to help them, I really need to understand. I need to have a spirit of humility and listen and really try to understand them. And that's just common respect. So I think that we are learning that and what that looks like in so many different areas. Yeah. You know, as, we, as we wind down, uh, we've got about a minute or two. Um, what What do you want to share with the community, with uh, our listeners tonight? Uh, anything else on your heart and your mind that you just want to make sure that they know or maybe even how to get in touch with you or the organization? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, get in touch with us, um, United Against Human Trafficking. So that's UAHT.org. Um, you know, respond. We're very responsive, you know, and you can learn our programs. But even if you just have questions, um, you know, and you'd like some questions answered, we have different departments. Anything dealing with collaborations is on our, my side of it. But we have prevention. You know, we have the pathway because what we want is just people to get educated. We want people to just kind of know what to do in case they see something. And most importantly, how to prevent this thing. You know, we have a lot of professionals here going after the demand and going after trying to end it. We're serious about eradicating it. But our goal is while we're doing that, we want you to be safe and your loved ones to be safe. And do not think that because you live in suburban America and all that, that you are safe because the traffickers are going all over now. And they're, and that's one of the areas they're going into because they feel those folks are not talking about those things. They think it's so they're so far removed. Yeah. And, you know, every time I, I'm one of those Texas certified educators that does this the CMEs for doctors, dentists, first responders that they have to have to keep their license. So I, I travel the state a lot or do Zooms a lot on those CMEs. And every time before I do it, I always try to find out, okay, what's the number to call within your organization if I have somebody that we're suspecting of human trafficking? And the last couple of times I've done that, the person that answered the phone had no idea how to respond. Uh, mm -hmm. let me get back with you on that. That's not acceptable. Right. That's not acceptable uh, anymore. And everybody needs to know exactly who to call. E every person. They need to have it on the card, on their phone. Hey, if you suspect it, this is who to call. What would that number be, Ken, uh, in the human trafficking world? I think it's probably national hotline. Yeah, yeah. So what would that be? Yeah. So for the sake of this uh, call here, you just want to go to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. If you go and Google um, Human Trafficking Hotline, the national one will pop up. And then what that will do, it will tell you, depending on where you live, at, it will tell you what's the local number uh, for you, which is great. And we've made a lot of advancements in that, which I'm excited yes. about. Um, and that's great because, I, you know, the, you know, you really want to know that. And you also want to know, like, look in your area and see what task force are available around you and what coalitions maybe in your your city, um, find out when those meetings are happening. You know, a lot of them are happening even on uh, Zoom now these days, but find out where they're happening and attend if you can, or, you know, communicate, send emails, because those groups are going to have so many people that work in this space. And those will be those folks that you really need to know. Um, and honestly, if you do that, you can bypass a hotline because you have a direct link to someone in your area that you can contact for help. I guarantee you. Because I'm looking down on my street here, NRG is right there. Right. Uh, awesome stadium. Between me and the NRG stadium, I guarantee you there is human trafficking going on like crazy. 
Oh, yeah. I guarantee you there's a massage parlor right down the road that is human trafficking like crazy. It's happening everywhere. It's time that we open our eyes Absolutely. to the issue and get involved. Call yes. if you suspect. Uh, don't ignore it. Don't turn a blind eye to it anymore. Uh, this is a problem that's going to affect our children. Absolutely. And the next generation because they're after our kids mm-hmm. and they love that pure and innocent. And yes. they love those. They know who's vulnerable. So, uh, you're doing great work, Ken. I applaud you. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Oh, pleasure and honor. If there's anything that I can do for you, I'm there in your corner. And thank you for just being who you are. You do great, great, great work. United Against Human Trafficking. Get involved. Find out all about it. And uh, if you don't want to get involved personally, you just want to help financially, I'm sure they would help uh, need that help, too. So there's all kinds of different ways, though, that you can get involved and participate. Ken, thank you for being with us tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Tell you what, I always like to close the program each and every week with this same thought, with the same idea, that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what happened to you over the weekend or what happened to you last week, or in my case, what happened to you maybe 50 years ago. It's amazing that I'm that old. But um, remember and never forget, folks, there's always hope. Always, always hope. And there's people out there that want to help. And if you need somebody to talk to, 832-396-6525, text me, and I will set up an appointment and talk to you, and it will be absolutely that much cost to you, zero. That's what we're here for. If you need someone to talk to, somebody to help you find that hope, give us a call. Join us right here next week for another edition of Breaking the Silence live from Houston, Texas, and you don't want to miss next week's show. It's going to be an awesome one. God bless you. Have a great week, and remember to value who you are because you are a masterpiece. God bless, and good night. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence.